Good Gabs, sponsored by Skillskin, a nonprofit organization empowering individuals with disabilities through employment. We're getting into fall, everybody. The seasons are changing, things are moving, but we're not. We got another great guest today for you. Uh, we have Stephanie Napier. This is the executive director of Pet Savers here in Spokane. We're going to learn a lot today. Stephanie, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. How's your morning going? Good. Yeah. Nice. Happy it's Friday. I know. <laughs> been a busy week for me. How about yeah, you? It has been a busy week. This huh. whole, we have some events coming up, so it's just been back to back and back. It's that time of year? Yeah. <laughs> I know we're working on a big old uh, sod project out at the Air Force Base oh. right now, and it's like 110,000 square feet of Holy sod. Holy cow. And I've come to the realization that getting all the dirt prepared and getting the grass down is one thing. The real work is making sure it stays watered at That's that kind true. of scale. That's true. I know. So That's I'm looking at uh, this heavy, heavy, uh, I shouldn't say heavy, it's... I call it heavy sun because that's what yeah. I saw on my iPhone. I'm like, no, like, it's full rain? round. Yeah, 84 <laughs> degrees. So I'm all terrified. I'm off to I DC. know. It's like a catch-22. It's like you mm. want the nice weather, but not in that situation. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Well, good luck. Yeah, well, thank you. You know, we have a great team at Skillskin, so I've got a lot of high confidence mm -hmm. in them, and that's the work we do. So Yeah, that's absolutely. awesome. Well, that's let's awesome. talk about the work you do. Okay. So Pet Savers, tell us more. Yeah, so Pet Savers has actually been around since 95. Mm. Um, in 95, they started off as like an adoption and spay-neuter clinic. Um, shortly after, about five years later, they kind of came to the realization that we should probably focus on one or the other. And there's so many places in Spokane, you know, there's the shelters that do the adoption part. There's so sure. many rescues, but none of them solely focus on spay-neuter. Um, and a lot of them focus on shelter animals, not shelter, rescue, and public. So we kind of changed gears in um, five years after that and became just a spay-neuter clinic. So since then, we do spay-neuter, vaccines, microchips, um, flea and tick prevention. Uh, and then today, I just ran the numbers, today we've done 104,926 spays and neuters. That is a lot. Yeah, 5,000 just since this year. Since 1995? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, 5,000 just this year. Oh. And then last year, we hit an all-time high of 742 in one month. So the so. need is just extremely high. Yeah, it hasn't. Um, I started there 12 years ago, just as like, oh, this will be fun. Mm. <laughs> and with a thought of like, I'm going to be out of a job. How, <laughs> how, yeah, how many uh, animals are there? Yeah, what's yeah. the, how realistic is it that you're going to have that many every month? And here we are in a brand new building that we finally got into last year of the capital campaign. So we not only are still open, but we're busier, and our facility is now four times the size. So there's a lot of growth we opportunity. You already maxed it out, or can you no, get no, busier? Yeah, we can get busier. Yeah. There's a little, there's always moving parts to it. You know, it takes more veterinarians. Um, we're going to be expanding services here pretty soon, and we'll announce that in a couple weeks. So people should follow us on social media to find out what's happening. Um, are you on all the socials? 
Um, we're on the ones we want to be on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, Skillskin understands that. Yes. Yeah. So um, I manage social media on top of everything mm. else um, with the help of one other person so it can get a lot. So we do Facebook and Instagram. Nice. So, um, yeah, shoot, if our listeners are reaching out, yeah. you're going to be the one who answers most yeah. likely. Yeah. Nice. And I don't think people realize that, yeah. which is kind of fun to to stay involved. Um, none of us there, no matter if you're director you know, receptionist, medical, like none of us are too big or too small for any of the jobs. So it's kind of fun to, you know, step into the role and go help out at events. You know, we're also volunteers. So we also do the social media. We also do, you name it. <laughs> what, whatever's needed, Yeah, I right? think that's what happens at a nonprofit. Uh, that's the truth. Yeah, 100 Do hats. what you need to mm-hmm. do. Yeah. When I think about, you know, spay and neuter clinics, like I think about the great Bob Barker. Right? <laughs> like that's yeah. just what comes to mind. Yeah. Just recently passed, I saw I know. too. Yeah. We used to get grants from his foundation. Um, and then they they kind of closed that down probably four or five years ago. But he was such a huge advocate. Well, to help us understand our listeners know why yeah. it's so important. Because I know like yeah. although I know that and I know like he would say it after every prices, right? I know. I didn't know why. Spay new pets. Yeah, but I was like, <laughs> oh yeah, that's good. But yeah, maybe yeah. help help us understand why this is such an important yeah. thing. So we have some statistics that we like to throw out there to people. Um, so for instance, obviously spay neuter is important because it limits the amount that are entering into shelters, which then has a ripple effect. So too many litters of animals, people can't house them. There's more animals than people. Right. So they end up in shelters or they end up in rescues, which right now are drowning. They are at max capacity. They're doing the best they can. You think um, that's a result of COVID when everyone's home and acquiring yeah. a lot of pets yeah. that maybe they didn't, you know. Yeah, I should have brought that statistic, <laughs> but we I was looking into it this year and we were making headway. And then COVID hit, and we went backwards tenfold. It is, like, so overwhelming to even think about. Um, a lot of people are like, oh, we don't have access to care, which was the case for a lot of veterinary clinics. Sure. They shut down. We did not. Um, we scaled back. We did not shut down. But I think a lot of people used it as a moneymaker, you know, during that time. Oh, I didn't even think They about had that. litters of pets and were selling them because they were out of a job. So... I'm not saying that was a thing, isn't it? Yep. Yep. It's kind of frustrating. (laughs) We drive down the road and you see people with, you know, litters of pets in the back of their cars. And I'm like, oh, do I stop and hand out business cards? (laughs) (laughs) Right. Just keep driving. (laughs) Um, I had never experienced anything like that until I was visiting my wife's family in Kentucky. And we went to a flea market. And I guess that was the first time I've been around like. I guess to describe it as a puppy mill. Yeah. Um, Because there's a lot. Yeah. And it made me have some feelings. It's frustrating. It's frustrating coming from our side of it too, because it's like we work with rescues and shelters a lot. I mean, that's, we are community, and like we're open to everybody. You don't Mm. have to qualify to come to us. Um, But we do surgeries for scraps on a regular basis. We do surgeries for, um, you know, Path of Hope, Mercy's Mercy's Mission, Rescue for All, a lot of these amazing organizations that if they're a 501c3, we want to help them. So, like, we will help them. So you're partnering. Yeah, we partner with as many people as we can and offer as much as we can to the public. And back to your, like, why spay-neuter question statistically, it's like, so, for instance, 6.5 million 
companion animals enter shelters nationwide, and unfortunately, not even half of them will make it out. So that alone, it's like, why, why are we, why is the problem still, well, that's a whole different topic, (laughs) why there's a problem. People are still breeding. And whether it's lack of education on why you should spay or neuter, or whether they're trying to make money off of it, you know, that's, who knows. Um, one in ten. But the problem is the same. The problem yeah, is the same. Over it's, six million animals yeah. coming into shelters that just cannot be rehomed. Yeah, there's too many. <laughs> there's too many pets and not enough homes. Um, you know, and there's a lot of accidental. Oops, I didn't mean to. And so there's the educational part on the veterinary world side that we just need to get better at. And so that's why works, you know, we do things like this. We do as much as we can education wise because if people know why in the ripple effect, maybe one by one, you know, we'll start making progress again. And that's often how big change happens, yeah. right? It's got to get out of this conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and obviously with last month being our biggest month ever for spay neuter, that's a huge success at our end. It's like, let's keep going. Let's keep educating. Um, so another one is like one in 10. So approximately 70,000 dogs and cats are born in the U.S. every day. Only one out of every 10 and one out of every 12 cats born will find a home. So that's, a, so, that's such a small percentage. So again, you hear people like, well, I'm going to let yeah. my dog have one litter and then we'll spay neuter or, you know, whatever their reason is. And I'm like, why? Why? There's so many in the shelters and there's so many in the rescues. We could point you in a hundred directions. Yeah. It doesn't necessarily like make an animal happy, right? Right. To have a litter. Yeah. And there's more to it too. It's (laughs) not just about like how many are entering (laughs) shelters and how many might be euthanized and how many may or may not get a home. But I don't think people also realize that um, the chance increases on a female cat dog um, tenfold every time they go into heat of getting pyometra, which pyometra is an infected uterus, which ends in them not making it. So by fixing yeah. them, you're helping make, keep them alive. Right. So you're just going to play Russian roulette, you know, roulette essentially where it's like, oh, they may or may not be healthy for their whole life, but I'm not going to spay. It's like, that really isn't doesn't add up right no that doesn't add up it's like you love your pet and of course everyone loves their pet everybody wants them healthy but they're not going to do what it takes to prevent cancer they're not going to do what it takes to keep them healthy so what does that mean to prevent cancer so in a female they can get the pyometra they can get mammary tumors um and every heat cycle they go into it like increases and increases and increases so we see and then it becomes an emergency surgery where they've got like 24 to 48 hours in some cases, which of course we take on because on top of all the other surgeries that day, because like we can save their life right? and we can prolong it. Um, That's part of your mission. It is a part of our mission is saving lives through prevention. So we try to say early on is the best because then you prevent those high risk situations, you know, from happening. But then even with males, there's testicular cancer. So, and there is a high risk in all of that. So the longer you wait, the higher the risk that is. So some people will think like, well, I'm not going to do it because I'm not going to breed or I'm not going to do it because they stay in the yard. Okay. For instance, I'll just be honest. I had a golden retriever for 15, 14 years. I didn't get him neutered until he was four or five for lack of education. 
Because I was like, I'm not going to breed them. Yeah, so it's like, yeah, I yeah. there's not a problem here. Yeah, so the fourth time the shelter picked him up <laughs> because he was out. He was an escape artist. Yeah, so he's super friendly, finding all the females in the neighborhood. They're just like, finally, I got educated on why. And so I got him fixed. His personality stayed the same. He was the same great dog, but he quit roaming. It's like, oh, <laughs> well, that would have been have, handy. That drive wasn't Yeah, there. that would have been handy. So yeah. I didn't panic the few times that he got out and I thought he was lost. So it stops them from roaming. It stops them from being so aggressive. And it, it's not like a fix-all. It's not a guarantee. You know, just because you spay or neuter doesn't mean in the end. It's like, I'm going to have this perfectly healthy animal, and they're going to live for eternity. I mean, we wish, but that's not the reality as well. But why, why take the risk? The, the risk is higher by not doing it. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, they're not going to essentially be roaming, maybe get hit by a car, get lost, get you know, taken in, we... And there's plenty of animals out yeah. there. Those numbers blew my mind. Yeah. I'm like, what? And there's purebreds yeah. in shelters. So people are like, I don't want a mutt. I want a purebred. So I'm going to buy from a breeder. And I'm like, did the breeder even know what they were doing? You know, there are... We got a dog during COVID. Yeah. And it definitely was <laughs> not good. My wife and I didn't know anything about dogs. Yeah. And like... We got a dog. Uh, I knew, like, we drove up to this this place. I know. (laughs) We drove to this place. This has been like a decade of me, like, like saying, no, we don't really want to do that. We want to keep driving. Yeah. I was at a very, you know, weak moment. And I was like, I want to just make my wife happy and the daughter happy. But we get to this place. It was clearly not maybe the best. Yeah. But But then then they saw the dog and it was like, it was over. And part of me too, when I hear people do that, I was like, well, you could look at it this way. You technically rescued it from maybe a bad situation. That's that's pretty good. Kathy, if you listen to this, that's what we did. We rescued. (laughs) I'm going to get a lot of people in trouble by that. But it is one of those things, too. Like, there are some, um, I'm not saying they were a backyard breeder, but there are a lot of backyard breeders, and sometimes you're rescuing from that situation, you know, or going to the wrong person. So It's so complicated. It is. Well, when that many animals are out there, it's like the the, the levels. Yeah, and I also feel pretty strongly that the veterinary community has a responsibility and maybe that's why I'm so thankful that we're around as a nonprofit veterinary clinic because it's not affordability is not a thing right now and I feel like even right. after COVID and I I don't blame necessarily the economy I'm not going to go that route but with everything else getting so expensive everybody raised their prices significantly it might not be a blame to that's not a stretch i think yeah, i to just, think that maybe the priority goes down too during these times yeah and i your grocery bill so high yeah and there's mm. i don't know of other vet clinics that have programs um now of course you've got some of the shelters that help out and they do an amazing job you know spoke animal humane society um they do what they can by helping the public but they have their shelter to tackle you know but a lot of veterinary clinics, it's not affordable. You know, someone, we don't do x-rays at our clinic where people call all the time, like, I need an x-ray, I need an ultrasound, my pet is super sick. That is not what we do. Um, We stay very busy, obviously, doing... focused. Yeah. Which is good for a nonprofit. Yeah. So, yeah, we have a mission and we're staying within our reach. Um, But it's sad. And I just don't, I wish and I hope that maybe someday there's going to be clinics that feel the need to reach 
there's just a demographic that needs some help, you know, and there's not enough resources for them. And I wish that we could do it all, but we can't do it all. Um, so it is a little frustrating. I and I hate imagine. getting I hate getting the phone call where it's like, well, where do I go? What do I do? And they're upset, and we're just like, make some calls and see if somebody, you know, can help you. But yeah, I bet those are tough. How do you personally kind of keep that at work? Be able to go home. I think what it is is uh, what we do is such a need. Um, I can go home at night and sleep, knowing that we just did an amazing job and we did what we could. We can't fix it all. It used to bother me more than like, well, let's do it all. Let's do health exams. Let's do this. Let's do that. And we did do that for a little while. We took on and we took on. And then we started doing what we're really good at. I wouldn't say any less high of quality, but we were stretching ourselves too thin. Yep. So I understand that. It caused a worse effect than if we just had told somebody, we don't do that. You know, and it is That's kind a of... hard lesson that so many nonprofits have to learn, right? Yeah. Because you, especially so many people get into that business, um, that world, and just they want to help. They just want to help. Yeah. yeah. So you go where the yep. need is. But then there's but burnout. Yes, there is. So we've had to learn <laughs> the difference between having compassion and getting compassion fatigue. Ooh, I love that. Yeah. So it's like that you, resonates. You can have compassion oh. for something, but if you do it without taking care of your people and your organization, you're just going to fall apart. So it, it's helped. And of course, having a board of directors, you know, keep you on the straight and narrow, but we've got so many animal passionate board members that everyone's like, well, let's do more. Let's do more. I'm like, let's educate on maybe what they can do versus what we can do. We do off, we have a food bank. So that is something that's you know, out of our mission, mm -hmm. but we feel like it's important. That so help there. Yeah. So How long have you been involved with Pets? Um, I just hit my anniversary and I'm in my 12th year there. Oh, wow. Yeah. And when I first started, yeah. it was a receptionist. I had stayed home with my kids throughout the years of them, you know, being young and keeping them out of daycare. Um, and then once they both were in school full time, my husband and I are just like, well, and I guess I'll go back to work. <laughs> you know, there's minor details. Sure. Um, and Pet Savers was close to my house, and a friend of mine was like, they need some help there. And I'm like, eh, I don't know what this nonprofit stuff is. I don't know if so I want to. you just fell into it? I did. Yeah. I took the job because I was like, it was flexible. It fit the hours. Close. It, I, yeah, I was close to home. And I'm like, all right, we'll do this for now. You know, 12 years yeah. later. <laughs> 12 years later, now they, I run the whole thing. So it kind of morphed into you start realizing what nonprofit is and how it's ran with compassion, um, passion. It's not about the bottom line. You don't go home thinking like, oh my gosh, we overcharge people. And it just is a warm feeling. It's tiring. Yeah, it's hard work. You know, mentally and physically. Um, but I don't think I could ever leave and go work corporate. You know, I don't think I could do that. I mean, of course, everyone in nonprofits like, I could leave and go make more money somewhere else. For one, you're not going to go home with the same feeling in most cases. Ever. Yeah. Um, I don't think ever. Yeah, I love... It doesn't matter what widget yeah. or service there is. Yeah, that's probably true. You know, When I, you're exchanging, you know, your time, you know, for money or that mm -hmm. kind of exchange. This is, I guess, my own personal feeling. Yeah. I don't think it's possible. Yeah. It's like, being in service to others, you know, via nonprofit work, I don't think you can get that anywhere else. Yeah. And I, huh. 
you know, people are just like, well, why, why do you still work there if it's stressful? It's like, it's a different type of stress. It's not a hateful stress. (laughs) I don't, I literally don't wake up 99% of the time and think like, ugh, here we go again. And if I do on that 1%, it's probably just, it's been a long week and I'm tired. Yeah. Or there's the compassion fatigue part, um, you know, helping out like with the fire situation. Yeah, let's talk about that. And going up to SFCC, um, that was not a part of Pet Saver's original plan. I don't think anybody had that in their plan. Yeah, two gigantic fires, both like 12,000 acres in rural Spokane County. Shutting down I-90. Yeah, a lot of animals. Yeah, there is. That's where I live. I was part of that out in Clear Lake. So, yeah, fire burned right through our neighborhood. But, yeah, I'm thinking about, you know, what I even saw, yeah, horses, goats, mm-hmm. like people trying to put uh, their animals and It was a lot of mixed emotions. Like you were yeah. proud of the community for stepping up and like, I've got a trailer, I've got this, I'm going to help. And I'm like, you guys don't even know each other. Yeah. So it, like, I feel like it brought community together. And then there was the complete other side where it was tearing people apart. And so I obviously heard about the fires. Um, I think it was on a Saturday where it was just getting really intense and then I saw a post from Hart, which is the emergency animal evacuation here for like, um, they operate here in Spokane. I heard that they're partnering with Spokane Animal and opening a temporary shelter up at SFCC for the cats and dogs. And of course, you know, the livestock is going to be at the fairgrounds. You right. can't put that up no, not <laughs> in the gymnasium. Yeah. yeah. I don't think they'd appreciate that. Yeah. And so I thought. What a Herculean effort. Yeah. I sat there at yeah. home and I'm like. I'm not doing anything, but I could be helping. But how can I help? Like, this is... Yeah, can you be effective? Yeah, can I be effective? And I thought, you know what? If they're going to be bringing in cats and dogs, we have a food bank at Pet Savers. And whatever's in the food bank, why don't I load it up in the back of my SUV and bring it up there? So I got a hold of Dory, who's the executive director at Spokane. I'm like, do you need hands? Do you need help? Do you need food? Where can I be of assistance? I'm not doing anything. And I can't sit at home. You know, some people probably couldn't just be like, ooh, man, I don't want to be a part of that, which is fine. I'm not saying that that makes a person good or bad. Sure. But we're all I, we're all built a little differently. I can't do that. Yeah. I understand. I can't sit back and be like, wow, that sucks. Good luck. When I could be helpful. So she was like, um, well, I told her we have a bunch of food. Why don't I load it up and bring it up? And she goes, we could use help at 5 p.m. And I'm like, okay, it's noon. So I took my car to work. We loaded up the back of my car, packed it full of as much as we could of um, cat food. And I brought it up to SFCC, unloaded it. And that was my original plan was just to unload it. And that's my thing. And then I get there. So start the car and yeah. go home. I get yeah. I get there and I'm just like, okay, um, more volunteers are needed. What did it look like? You know, it was kind of, they were just kind of setting it up and getting I don't know how they originally planned for it to, to be set up. I think it was two organizations coming together, doing the best they can for a bunch of unknowns. Right. Yeah. You know, so there's help people out. Yeah. So it was in the gymnasium up there. Um, and there is dog kennels and cat carriers kind of like lining the outside edge. The food bank was, or the food was kind of off to the side. Um, and then there was an intake table where they were getting all the owner's information, the pet's information, phone numbers, history, as much as they can. Um, and I kind of came at a time where there was no one standing there, so which comes in handy because I'm like, how can I help? What can I yeah. do? 
So it was a matter of like the dogs need walk, the cats need fed. And so I'm like, okay. So I just put my stuff down and I'm like, um, I'm just going to be here for a little while. So I was there till nine o'clock at night being like, can I walk the dogs? Can I do anything to take something off of your end while you're checking people in? Um, so is there so telling the chaos start to yeah. organize itself? Yeah. Cause I know what it's yeah. like, you know, working for animal within an animal welfare organization. It's like, if, if I can take something, what I consider little off of their plate, like I can feed pets or take them on a walk while you guys do all the paperwork or whatnot and not have to worry about this part, then cool. So when I left, I'm like, so is there help needed tomorrow? And they're like, well, we've got this person and that person. I'm like, that's it. Sounds like you need some help. Yeah. And th- they have to limit who can volunteer, of course. It's got to be, you know, like there had to have been a background check. There had yeah. only certain people can just walk in and start volunteering. Um, so anyone from these animal organizations, um, they're all busy. And yeah, so, with their own mission, their own work. Yeah. So Spokanimal staff and volunteers um, were trying to help out. I brought one or two employees from Pet Savers. I just put it out there to our staff, which is another reason I love working there. Is like you put it out there to the staff, like, you guys, there's a need. And two people were like, I don't work today. I'll volunteer my time. Gosh, I bet you're proud. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's kind of cool. My son came up with me. Um, and so he stayed there and volunteered. He loves animals. And, you know, there might have been ice cream involved afterwards to, <laughs> to bribe uh, him. Yep, He's 15. <laughs> food um teenagers love ice cream yeah so i came sunday and helped out with a couple of volunteers stayed again for another nine hours um started checking in and i think sunday is where it kind of hit because saturday i'm just unloading stuff and helping sunday i was helping with actually checking in and getting these people like hey why don't you set up your animals how do they want it how do they want their carrier set up how do they want this because they're so focused on the disaster happening and do they have a home or not um and then they're worried, like, the care of their animals. I'm like, don't worry about this. We'll take care of them. But how do they want it? That's got to be so much trust when mm-hmm. you're like, here. Yeah. This is my loved one. This yeah, is part of my family. It's hard. And then they're crying. Yeah. And then I start crying. And I'm like, oh, here we go. Yeah. You know, but all you can do is help where you can, you know, which is basically ensuring them that you don't need to worry about this part. We've got this covered. So they're able to come back and forth as much as they wanted to see them. And most of them were there maybe 24, 48 hours, a couple of them longer. Um, And the owners would come in, feed them, walk them. They would help out. But it was pretty eye-opening that not only can a natural disaster happen, but there's these pieces that people don't even realize. So many. Yeah. And the community was amazing. Everybody wanted to come. What are some of those pieces for you? What did you learn during that? You know, I learned for one that if you put it out there that you need assistance for something, our community actually does an amazing job at stepping up if they know the need. It's got to be very specific. It can't be broad. You can't just be like, we need help. Help. What does that mean? Yeah, I put it out there that, hey, um, like Lysol wipes and canned cat food or whatever the specific list was. And we had people dropping them off at Pet Savers, and then we could bring it, you know, wherever it's needed. So if you're specific, the community really genuinely wants to help out. So you hear a lot of people um, with their jaded opinions, sure, you know, about the human race. 
Um, and I get it. You know, you see that side of it, but I think the nice part about continuing nonprofit work is that you also get to see that side of it where there's a lot of compassionate people. And if you're not going to be so quick to judge, then you'd realize that there's actually a lot more. I feel like there's a lot more that want to help. You know, we saw the right. I agree with you. It's like that. Yeah. I think it is unique to our community, right? We're, yeah, we have that small We're big town feel. Small. Mm-hmm. It's just true. Yeah. The red cross was there doing an amazing job with the people part. Um, and then um, I was there for three days. I helped. I have Mondays off. And so I went back on Monday and helped out again. And then I said, okay, you guys, I have a job I've, I've got to do, but let me know, you know, how we can help. And then Spokanimal did an amazing job at finishing out the week helping out there. But I think the biggest thing that I took away, um, from helping up there is not only is it an excuse that you're too busy to help because it was more rewarding to go there on my three days off, (laughs) essentially, um, and give my time, I got more out of it than I ever realized. And I think that's another reason why I stay focused on the nonprofit work, because it might be long hours. You know, it might be a lot of work. It might be stressful at times. But in the end, you're so fulfilled by offering this really cool niche to the public that's just not there. You know, and if if we can make somebody feel better and take the stress off of not only at Pet Savers, like the the ease of we are very good at what we do. So you don't need to stress when you leave your pet. Yep. You know, we do 700 of these a month. You're you in know, great hands. Yeah. So I think that's the nice thing about that. And then what you about know, that compassion fatigue, though, that you were talking about? Like, yeah. <laughs> what what are some strategies that you might be able to share that you've learned over yeah. you know, your tenure at Pet Savers. That's a good question. So there's a lot of people on, yeah. on uh, our audience, you know, who are volunteers mm-hmm. looking to volunteer. Maybe they run uh, nonprofits mm-hmm. in our community. And I think this, this really translates to a lot of people. Yeah. And we go over this a lot at work too. Um, I think for one, remembering the reason why you're doing it, you know, you're not just going in and be like, Ooh, I have to do this or that. It's like, Changing your mindset to, I get, I get to do this. I get to do that. I get to help people, you know, during this disaster. I get to make them feel good about them leaving their pet. Yeah, it's a busy day, but you know what? We just saved 742 pets last year. So I think a lot of it is mindset. Yes, that reframing. Mm-hmm. Reframing how it is um, learning to say no. That's that- hard. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm 40 and it's like just now kind of clicking in some ways. Um, I hear you. Yeah. It's like, what is your capacity? Um, learning and I still struggle with this, but learning to have allowing other people to take over. So learning to delegate. Um, I am all leaders need to really know how to do that. Yeah. And I've only gotten semi better at it in the last couple of years. I'm like, I'll just do it. I'll just do it. Um, but learning to hand things over and training people well enough in order to feel comfortable to do that. So I think it's finding the right group of people that you can lean on and trust and having a great board. We have a phenomenal, um, board, uh, that supports what we do and it helps where if we are feeling, and there have been moments to where you're just in your office, you're like, I don't know if I can keep doing this. 
And then you're like, okay, get over yourself. Yeah, Shake it off. You can do it. Yeah. You get to do it. Are you very exact in your leadership? Like when you have an outcome in your mind of what something should look like, mm-hmm. does it need to look exactly like that? I have learned again, <laughs> they're all like learning things uh-huh. over the years, especially with this line of work is I constantly have visions <laughs> of like, this would be cool. Um, I understand that it's never going to be exact and we have to learn to adapt along the way, which I probably isn't any business, Um, but being adaptable. successful business. Yeah. And we've had to change our course a few times and we've had to pivot and we've had to be like, okay, well, I thought we were doing this, but sometimes in order to get here, we've got to go back to over here and get our, you know, to find our way that way. It's yeah. Those iterations. It's a lot of. I, I just, I asked that because I think in my now. own, no, it is not. Mm-hmm. In my own journey, it's like I used to, you know, I knew what I wanted something to look like. Mm-hmm. But as you delegate, it's never going to look like that. No. And so I'd be frustrated for a long time. Yeah. And now I'm finally like, I can draw a circle. Yeah. Sometimes it's small, sometimes it's big. Yeah. But I have to be good. If someone it yep. lands in that circle, then I, as a well, leader, have to be okay with that. Mm-hmm. And then we can iterate and move forward and and yeah and go. And there's a <laughs> lot of um, there's a lot of pieces within the clinic where I'm like, is that how I would have done it? No, but is it great? Yeah, it is. And I didn't have to do it. Yeah. When? So I could focus on other things. So it's not sure it looks different, but of course it looks different. And that's why we hired different personalities so that each person, there's some people there that bring something to the table that I can't do, you know? And that's, I think part of it too, is that as the executive director, it doesn't mean I'm the best one at every job. I'm absolutely not, you know? And there's other people that I rely on in order to get it done. So of course I should trust them to do it have to yeah do i time in the day is it still easy (laughs) no and do i sit back sometimes and i'm like yeah that's a great idea sure yeah let's (laughs) let's do it but obviously we went from a tiny 1200 square foot building off of trent that we had until last year to an 8000 square foot building now so something's going right obviously it's working well, Stephanie, yeah. tell us how to get involved. How do our listeners, if they, they're just feeling like, hey, I want to be part of Pet yeah. Savers, how do, how do they get involved with your mission? Yeah, so um, a couple ways. We just started a volunteer program, so it's very in the baby phase. And this is one of those, like, what does it look like? And is it going to turn out how I think? We don't know. It's going to turn out how it turns out. <laughs> so we just started a volunteer program to where people, there's an application on our website Um, our clinic is big enough now where we can have people come in and help in certain ways. It will never be hands-on with the animals because these are owned pets. These aren't like adoptable pets that we have there. So there are limits to what they can do, but we have opportunities for volunteering. So there's an application on our website, follow us on social media. We're always needing donations, whether that's food bank donations for cats or dogs, monetary donations, um, Corporate organizations can get involved. We've got numerous events that go on throughout the year that need sponsored. So we've got sponsorship opportunities to where their name can get out there. Cool. Um, and there's when's your next event? <laughs> we have it in a couple weeks. Mm. Um, it is a testicle festival. Hilarious, <laughs> so, like Montana. Yes. Um, we but are I'm new- imagining a little different. <laughs> it is a little different. So we're doing 150 male cats in one day. 
Oh, wow. Yeah. So it's a one-day event. Um, we've done 75 every year for four years. And now that we have a bigger building, the doctor's like, she's been trying to get me to allow her to do more. And I'm like, we don't have space. We don't have the space. So this year, I'm like, let's do it. <laughs> we got the space. Let's do it. So we had the, the whole thing is sponsored. It ends up being free to the public. Um, so they do pay a deposit up front, but then that is refunded the day of. It just keeps them accountable for showing up because yep. we want to do 150 neuters. So um, this is the fifth year we've done it. It's really fun. It's this cheeky, you know, kind of approach to something a little different. But effective. It is effective. Hmm. Yeah, Spokane's a little reserved, uh, and it took a few years for people to be okay with even saying that. You know, the first couple of years, like, the, like what? the event you're doing, I, I just want to be a part of that one event. I'm like, which which one? Yeah. The Tesco Festival. <laughs> yeah. So that's coming up. In, it's every October. So we do it every fall. Um, and then we have a, our big annual event, which is the Dog House Challenge that takes place at River Park Square. Um, and that's, I've totally seen that. Yeah. So this next year will be the third year. So we get people. That's one thing that we're going to start planning if. Um, people listening, if they've got skills to build a dog house or a cat house, we um, just reach out because we need both of them. And then we display them at River Park Square for two weeks. And then we raffle it off for a dollar, a raffle ticket and do a live drawing. And um, it's fun because it gets the community involved. It gets builders involved. It gets their name out there. Um, and then it raises. Some of them are really cool. Yeah, it raises money for the animals. So mm-hmm. those are the two things that we do back-to-back every year that people could be a part of. Well, you heard it here, everybody. (laughs) If this episode's really resonating with you, reach out to Stephanie. Find Pet Savers. Uh, Carry Bob Barker's legacy and and spay and neuter your animals. Yes. (laughs) Stephanie, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it.